Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Well, it's Saturday, 3rd of April today, and on the podcast, we reveal the secrets to how race teams find hidden lap time. Welcome to the latest episode in our series, revealing the work that teams and their suppliers do to beat their competition. Today, Autosport's technical editor, Jake Boxall-Legg, Chats with AVL Racing's Daniel Blendorfer. AVL work across multiple racing series with the biggest names in motorsport. And once again, they're working with us to bring you, our listeners and readers, greater insight into what really happens in the often unexplained technical world. How do race teams gain free horsepower? With regulations limiting engine development, it's crucial to optimise every component. How does motorsport bring technology from the racetrack to the road? And what are the areas of focus around reducing friction to go faster? Let's find out. Here's JBL. So, Daniel, thank you for joining me today. Um, so, first of all, would you be able to tell us a little bit about your role at AVL? Sure. Um, uh, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, my name is Daniel Blendorfer. I'm part of the AVL Racing Group since 2014. Um, started as project manager for test bench testing. So, I spent a lot of time together with NASCAR teams and, and Formula One and Formula Two teams at the test bench in Graz in our headquarters. And now since already two years, I'm part of the instrumentation and test systems group. So I'm responsible for, um, yeah, simply speaking, putting the proposals and technical content for um, our customers together. And also I'm in charge of product management and, and R&D development of new tools and uh, systems for our customers. So it's a quite a quite a busy job you have. Um, so today, obviously, we're talking about 
friction optimization and various uh, other things relating to that but first of all would you just be able to go into why efficiency is just so important to race teams when you talk about efficiency what is efficiency it's um making the most of what you have um either it's um, battery capacity battery energy electric energy or it's uh, chemical energy in, in in the case of an internal combustion engine when we talk about uh, when for perspective from a passenger car from a road vehicle um, efficiency means the more efficient car um, gets to the longer distance with the same amount of energy available in the tank or in the battery when you talk about racing when you have a dedicated mileage for a distance you need to cover during a race event it's the same for everybody basically you have also the same amount of energy available for every team for every car the that means the most efficient car will be the fastest car. That's just just how racing teams will understand efficiency. It's just getting a faster car. And so, obviously, we t- we've so- spoken about uh, you know efficiency, and we see in the past that um, in the last few years, at least, um, Mercedes has taken the internal combustion engine efficiency to uh, you know over fifty percent. Obviously, it's a big factor in Formula E as well. So how does that become such a, a differentiator? I know it's just about speed, but how do you get to that point, really? Yeah, we mentioned already. So um, first of all, in the last de- decades from, from the beginning on, the focus was, um, for the majority, was to focus on, on, the, on the engine itself, on the combustion engine or on the e-motor. Nowadays, we call it a power unit. So it's a combination of internal combustion engine and multiple e-motors. Because you focus on, on these components because there's the most to gain in, from the beginning. When we start with a traditional combustion engine, the efficiency was at 35%, something like that, for a good engine. And nowadays, you mentioned it, um, Mercedes uh, mentioned, stated that they exceeded the 50% efficiency um, lever. Um, when we look at an e motor, uh, there's where are we? Uh, 98%, 99% efficiency from an e-motor. So now we are just getting to a point where um, there's not a lot to gain anymore. So um, all the other teams are also, for speaking of Formula One, um, on similar efficiency levels. So there's, you can still throw a lot of money at these components, and they, they will do for sure. But there's just not a lot um, potential anymore in these components. So um, therefore, in the last couple of years, um, the focus also moved slightly to the full driveline, to also to single components, to just to make sure you you don't lose um, more friction than you than you really need to to lose in in the all rotating components. So now, um, when we talk to the teams, we also realized that um, they are really doing a lot of gearbox testing, a lot of full driveline testing, just to make sure they they they're not losing. Um, um, available energy in these components and um, also not for the full drive line so they, they now do also component testing to the single component to, to a single bearing even so that sort of segues nicely on to the next part of that you talk about every rotating component but something that we never really sort of talk about or see is uh, the role of a wheel bearing and obviously that relationship between your powertrain and the wheels is one of the most important on a car um but with regards to wheel bearings kind of what job do they do and uh is it something that top teams in racing are going to manufacture themselves or are they going to buy in and 
down the line would it be a standard part ideally what would you think um the, the wheel bearing itself um it's obviously the, the connecting component between somewhere between the the tire and the, and the suspension when we go the path from the suspension there is the upright so in the formula car at least there's the upright um, then we have the wheel bearing and um, inside the wheel bearing rotates um, the connecting part to the the, the wheel itself um, just to 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 highlight uh, what kind of stress this wheel bearing um, needs to go through um, while uh, an average lap um, it needs to to cope all the forces which are acting on on the on the racing vehicle so it's the it's the static weight of the vehicle itself. You have the downforce, so um, multiple tons in, in Formula One, but also in NASCAR, we, we exceed the 1,000 kilograms of downforce lever. Um, also the acceleration and braking forces, the uh, lateral forces when going through corners. And when we look into NASCAR or oval racing, we also have the, the banking of the track itself, which makes it even worse for the for the wheel bearing. Um, so um, performing under these circumstances um, means um, sustaining the full race distance or the full expected lifetime of this component, while guaranteeing to have a, the maximum efficiency uh, is really stressful. And um, therefore, the teams also um, now dedicate a lot of resources into developing and, and tuning these components. Um, now also, you, you, you asked the raised the question regarding um, making a standardized bearing or um, a full resource bearing. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah. yeah. So uh, if basically, if um, you know, obviously looking at it by series by series, so you mm -hmm. use the NASCAR example. Um, mm -hmm and the amount of stress that these bearings go through. Mm. Um, is, is it a standard part over there or is it something that the teams are, are doing themselves and probably could be standard? Um, it's not a standard component yet. Um, the, the small teams are just purchasing um, standard bearings from as a dedicated NASCAR bearings, obviously from, from some dedicated suppliers. They, they take them as they are. The, the bigger teams, um, Bigger teams that means that they have just more um, more budget available. Um, would also develop them uh, their own bearings, so they do the design work and do the simulation work. But the manufacturing itself will be done by um, dedicated bearing manufacturers. They just have the know-how um, how to build it properly. But um, I would say the most resources goes into um, tuning the bearing. It's um, not only the manufacturing. This is one point. But um, tuning, in case of um, the tuning parameters you have on a wheel bearing, so for example, the, the preload or the type of lubricant, amount of lubricant, or the target temperature, uh, breaking procedure, procedures, uh, exam, especially so the, the running procedure of a bearing, um, this is done in the teams, uh, by, them, by the teams um, directly. Um, Maybe there is will be a point where the, this component will be standardized. Could be, and there is um, always uh, um, thoughts going on and discussions going on to standardize multiple components, as they did for Formula E, for example. Um, but it's always under the, 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 um, 
um, they try to save costs basically to to, to reduce the cost when they, they define uh, regulations like um, standard components. But we would say as long as there is budget available, the teams will use it somehow. So if you go, for example, for the standard um, Formula 2 brake, the brake component, um, this was done to have a standard carbon-carbon um, disc available for every team. So um, they will not develop their own brakes and, and save costs by that. What was the outcome? Every team purchases purchases as much uh, as many uh, discs as possible just to compare them internally and pick the the best one. So um, there's not really a cost saving effect with that. So. <laughs> So just overall, um, when it comes to, you know, considering the design of a bearing and that sort of thing, um, kind of how much design work goes into it? And is it sort of something that you can change sort of pretty, pretty quickly? Or does it sort of take a lot of a lot of development to work with? Um, in design purposes, um, the focus is packaging. So to see the, the full um, wheel assembly as a, as a as one piece, just to have a, a more compact wheel bearing. This is for sure development or uh, design work that goes on inside the teams. There is also the factor of, uh, of temperature because um, fairly close to the wheel bearing itself, there's the rotating brake disc, which um, is uh, glowing hot, so uh, beyond 1000 degrees Celsius. And it's acting obviously also on, on, the, on, the, on the wheel bearing itself, which on, then in Next step also has an impact on efficiency of the wheel bearing. So the efficiency is obviously temperature dependent. So that could also be a factor for design works, just to have a, a coating, a shielding available for the wheel bearing so it does not get too hot. Um, on the other hand, um, for, for um, race categories where there's not a lot of braking going on, for Formula E, for example, you may struggle to to get the, the wheel bearing up to a certain target temperature because if it's too cold, the, simply speaking, the, the lubricant is too sticky and causes a lot of friction. So you want the bearing to be on a certain target temperature, um, beyond ambient temperature, obviously. So um, in the design work, you may um, consider to um, get a lot, get more heating into the, the wheel bearing itself. And when you consider the, uh, you know, the wheel bearings and every other sort of rotating part of the car that might be subject to friction, can you sort of quantify that in terms of a horsepower loss or an energy loss in, you know, Formula One or Formula E? Um, uh, you know, how much is how much energy ends up getting wasted because because of you know friction in the system? Mm-hmm. Um, we in ABL we um, have developed a tool dedicated for for wheel bearing testing. So we are able to um, introduce forces, so uh, dynamic forces with actuators into the wheel bearing while um, doing um, a lab replace. So we can spin the bearing, put loads on it, also have um, the availability of um, uh, control the temperature of the bearing with um, a temperature enclosure. And while all that is going on in a, on a dynamic way, so on a full lab replay, we can also measure the, the friction on a very accurate way. And while developing this tool, um, we also had a development partner in form of a, a formula team, um, which spent together with us uh, a lot of time on the test benching class. 
they they brought their standard wheel bearings to our to our rig and um, in the course of the development of our tool we just also learned a lot about wheel bearings and in in the case of this standardized wheel bearing we we just played around with a, a couple of parameters and developed our own um, break-in procedure so um, run-in procedure of the bearing and while only this run-in procedure was happening so um, starting from the completely brand new bearing and just after um, I would say one to two hours of, of running on under certain um, circumstances on the on the on the, on the rig, we measured that the efficiency increased by ten percent only by doing a proper running procedure. And then we played around with a couple of um, tuning parameters, so um, preload and as as mentioned before, um, the amount of lubricant, the type of lubricant, and also played around with uh, the target temperature. We want to run the, the bearing under under a, a race um, situation, um, and we were able to to increase the efficiency. So compared to the standard brand new bearing, by sixty five percent. So we reduced the friction by sixty five percent, but just a work of um, really a R and D work on the test bench of um, roughly one week of working. Sixty five percent really is a lot. Um, and I need to add to this comment that um, we did leave all regulation limitations aside just to just max the, the bearing itself out. But in the case of this, uh, of this wheel bearing, of this category, the wheel bearing is run-in. Um, the regulation also define limitations of preload, limitations of um, amounts, so a minimum amount of, of, of lubricant, for example. And while still, while being inside the boundaries of the regulations, we managed to um, increase the efficiency of the wheel bearing by um, roughly 50%. And um, coming back to your question, to, to quantify that, what is if 65 or 50% uh, of efficiency um, in a wheel bearing? What what's the, the what does the team really gain from it on, on the race situation? Um, we just threw some numbers into our vehicle simulation model. That's also um, a simulation tool developed by AVL. Uh, it's a vehicle model, a very detailed, uh, physical, physically really um, accurate model where um, different types of race cars can be simulated and virtually sent around the track. And we just um, took as baseline um, a NASCAR model. We have very accurate NASCAR models available and sent our um, standard, uh, so our NASCAR, virtual NASCAR with a standard wheel bearing around a, a super speedway and then increase the efficiency of the, again, virtual um, wheel bearing by 40%. And the outcome was that only by that measure, we could reduce the lap time by one tenth of a second. That may does not sound a lot, but in, in NASCAR, this will be uh, Quite a difference compared to the other um, to the other teams. Um, we also try to quantify this. Um, if you want to have one tenth of a second in, in lap time advantage by just tuning the engine, which is the tr traditional way to do it, um, we would be in need of um, roughly four horsepowers at the crankshaft to um, also reduce the lap time by one tenth of a second. And four horsepower in NASCAR is 
nearly not available anymore. The, these, these engines are maxed out um, over as the regulations are frozen um, since uh, multiple years. Um, every manufacturer has um, achieved a decent level of horsepower, which is similar all over um, all the manufacturers. So there's, it's nearly impossible to gain four horsepower on a crankshaft anymore. So that it's quite something to have um, this laptop advantage just by tuning um, a really small um, component. We also did similar simulations um, with um, Formula E car and um, with the same decrease, uh, increase of efficiency, um, we managed to reduce the, um, over a full race distance, we managed to gain 2.5 seconds compared to a standard Formula E car. That's quite uh, quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, obviously, the sort of time delta that you described in NASCAR wasn't big, but it, you know, so it's, it's a short. It's usually quite a short lap in in NASCAR uh, events. So, you know, it, as you say, it's quite a big, uh, quite a big gap. Um, but you also spoke about you know temperature of uh, the lubricants inside and preload and things like that. Um, because obviously we have, you know, carbon brakes getting incredibly hot. Uh, you don't want the bearing to get too hot. But at the same time, as you said, you don't want it to be too cold. How do you manage the temperatures for all those parts on the wheel assembly and get those sort of bearings uh, into into the right sort of window, if you like? Mm. As for all components, you have the possibility to to introduce some kind of shielding on the components to prevent of getting too much um um, radiation from the disc into the bearing and, and cause um, too high temperatures. Um, you also have the possibility to introduce dedicated cooling, obviously. So if you look at the um, wheel assembly, the full wheel assembly of a Formula One car currently, there is so much going on that there for sure you have the possibility to introduce direct uh, um, uh, wind to the wheel bearing to introduce some cooling. Also by um, the mentioned tuning parameters of preload and uh, amount of lubricant you also directly um, um, have an effect on the on the on the temperature that uh, will uh, will be set in this in the wheel bearing over race distance so there's multiple ways to to adjust the wheel bearing temperature it's it's also really important to find out on this is unfortunately um, really tricky to do it on a on a, on a racetrack um, to find out what is the, the optimum target temperature. So where do I want my bearing to be on the racetrack? Is it 80 degrees C or should I run it at 100 degrees C? Maybe the efficiency is higher at 100 degrees C, but the bearing will fall apart over half the, the race distance. All this, um, this, this thoughts um, is really hard to find out on, on a racetrack. And it's really a gamble to read um, to just to maybe reduce the amount of, of lubricant and then send it on down the car in the racetrack just by hoping that it will not fall apart um, before the end of the race. So therefore you want to spend a lot of time on the on a dedicated testing device obviously just to prepare the bearing properly and be set for the next race. And so it's, it's sort of very very interesting to listen to this because obviously as we know motorsport is a huge sort of propellant of technology if you like it really sort of brings things into the public eye so i guess the sort of next step on that is whether these things are able to work their way back into into road cars so that you know down the line in you know hybrid or electric vehicles we're using 
you know, even less energy thanks to all of these tiny little things that are, have added up. Yeah, for sure. Um, it will and it uh, is currently also uh, already p- happening that this this kind of development fans its way into uh, the passenger cars in the passenger car world. Um, there has always been um, development going on in wheel bearings, but especially with the move to battery electric vehicles, so BEVs, where um, efficiency is even more key um, than for an internal combustion engine. Um, they really put um, more and more uh, focus and, and manpower into developing and tuning their, their, their wheel bearings for road cars. Um, why is it more important for BEVs than for um, um, internal combustion engines? It's just uh, if the full vehicle is more efficient with the internal combustion engine um, or less efficient, on the other way around, is it less efficient than uh, internal combustion engine car? You may don't achieve the mileage, so you cannot achieve 300 miles, but just only 280. But that's not a big deal. You just go to the pump station, refuel, and, and there you go. With um, with a battery electric vehicle, it just don't go to the next uh, power charger and pump it up in 10 minutes. Um, you lose a lot of time by just um, having a, um, a least efficient um, powertrain with a battery electric vehicle. So there's even more focus because it's just um, not convenient for, for the customers. Um, so therefore, they they will they they are also already putting a lot of effort into tuning the, the their wheel bearings, and that is the same story as for the racing vehicles. It's again preload, um, uh, choosing the the right materials, but um, even more the focus is um, the the lifetime of these wheel bearings compared to to a racing car, obviously, because we do. Not only one race distance of two hours, we want to have the same wheel bearing for 100,000 kilometers. Wheel bearings, the only bearing on, of focus or something like that. So we've spoken a lot about wheel bearings today and obviously we've spoken about other components as well. But of course, there are other bearings in within you know race cars as well. Um, what are the sort of main areas of focus, if you like, within that area? Um, that's a good question. Um, when... When we started introducing um, this, this let's call it friction rig, this uh, testing device for wheel bearings, we talked to a lot of customers, and they were not only in the in the area of racing um, racing teams. They were also coming on directly from bearing manufacturers or providers of lubricants. And there is inside these companies is a lot of focus on on wheel bearings, but also they they raised the question, what do we have in stock for e motor bearings? Because um, as said before, the, the, um, the efficiency of an e-motor is really a, um, an important topic for the manufacturers and also so the, so the suppliers for uh, the OEMs. So therefore, um, they do a lot of investigations of, of the main, main bearings of e-motors also. Um, that's quite a different bearing. I mean, um, the, an e, um, wheel bearing will ref to 2,500 or 3,000 RPM tops. An e-motor can rev up to forty thousand when you talk to uh, when you have to focus on on passenger cars. Um, on the other hand, um, the the loads on a wheel bearing on an e-motor bearing will not nearly be as high as on an on a wheel bearing, obviously. So um, so we 
we got, went back to our R&D department and um, we are also now um, coming up with a solution for dedicated for e-motor bearings, e-motor main bearings, um, which may sound simple, but um, when you want to have a really accurate torque measurement at the RPM range of up to 40,000, um, you will start to struggle to find a proper um, measurement device for, for, for this kind of torques at this RPM. But um, there you see it, and also we, we learned that um, the focus is not only on um, the main assembly, the e-motor itself, it's also really going down to, to component testing in the meantime, just to, to find the really last bit of efficiency in the full, in the full drivetrain. Daniel, thank you so much for talking me through that today. Uh, so much going into that, so much uh, in, in information into the world of, into the world of bearings and, and removing friction from within race cars it's certainly what you would consider an underreported part of of race car and automotive design as well so thank you so much for talking me through that thank you very much for having me um what a pleasure well thank you so much for listening to the podcast today we always learn something when we talk to our friends at avl check out any of the previous shows we've made with them if you're interested in the technical aspects of motorsport just search avl in your favorite podcast app and we'll see you on the next one Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The world is waiting, waiting for new thinking, for bold ideas that embrace a globally connected community, working together to create a better future for all. And that future, it can be found here at UC Riverside. Here, you'll join a community where diversity equals vitality, where support and empowerment lifts spirits and propels ideas forward. Fearless, innovative, connected. UC Riverside. Bold hearts, brilliant minds. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.